Hi, and welcome to Messy in the Middle. I'm your host, Jessica Lee. This is a podcast featuring real women's stories about their journey, the messy part, the trials and tribulations to get from recurrent miscarriage and infertility to baby. Join us as we talk, cry, laugh, and get unbelievably vulnerable to feel less alone in the gang that no one wants to be a part of. Hi, and welcome to Messy in the Middle, episode two. Thank you so much for coming back and joining me. Uh, Honestly, the feedback that I've received uh, since the first episode's been released has really been amazing and overwhelming. It really means so much to me that, you know, complete strangers have taken the time to reach out and send me beautiful messages. Yeah, I just really appreciate it. And it gives me a reason to keep going with this as well, because I don't receive any monetary kickback or anything. It's just purely me wanting to to create a resource available to let other women know that you're not alone on this journey. So yeah, send the feedback through. It, It does mean a lot to me. Um, and also to keep this podcast kicking, kicking along, if you could also make sure after you've listened to it, give it a rating and a little review because that really helps it to reach the masses. Uh, so in today's episode, I am speaking with Megan. She takes us through her completely unexpected and heartbreaking journey of secondary infertility. Megan fell pregnant easily with her first daughter and had a textbook pregnancy. So when things didn't come so easily the second time round, it was a huge shock. Uh, we did also go into a discussion about mental health while trying to navigate not only pregnancy loss, but the anxiety that also comes with being pregnant after loss. And that got me thinking that if you are struggling, there are resources available out there to support you. So, and these ones are only available in Australia, um, but you can go to their websites as well if you're in another country. Um, But there's obviously Lifeline, who you can call on 13 11 14. And there are two others that are more pregnancy and pregnancy loss specific. So there's Panda. They have a support line that you can call is uh, 1300 726 306. They also have a website um, that you can look up and Pink Elephant, if you look up their website, I will also have these details in the show notes. But yeah, there's just some really good resources out there if you are struggling. Uh, I know myself personally, I have definitely gone into the depths of depression after each of my losses and also the first trimester of my pregnancy with my son. Things got very dark. So there are resources out there. You do not have to go through this alone. Um, But hopefully with Megan sharing her story as well, it's, it's just going to help to know that your feelings are completely normal they're completely valid and you're not the only one all right so let's get into the episode hope you enjoy hi megan thank you for joining me tonight thank you for having me uh can you just start off by telling me your age where you're from and who's in your family um i'm 34 i'm married to my husband and we've got two beautiful girls oh beautiful and how did your trying to conceive journey start? Um, we got married in 2014, I think it was. Yeah. Um, not even a year later, we decided to. I'd go off the pill. Um, I just seen someone very close to us um, struggle with conceiving for four years, mm-hmm. so 
it wasn't that we wanted to start a family, like we were like, have to have a baby now. It was more of a, if we fell pregnant, I would be happy, um, but I'm okay if it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, so went off the pill about mid-2015 and to my surprise, one cycle later, we fell pregnant. Um, <gasps> very exciting but completely yeah. unexpected. Yeah. Um, and that pregnancy was perfect there was textbook pregnancy nothing wrong everything went smoothly and June 2016 we gave birth to our first daughter I had always wanted like a a two to three year age gap with kids so I think almost two years later we went on holidays and I forgot to take my pill a couple of times so I decided all right let's just get rid of it. You know, um, our eldest is two in a couple of months. We'll start trying for the second. Did you go back not on the pills after you gave birth or was there a bit of time? Yeah, no, I think it was pretty much straight away after I gave birth. We yeah. went back on the pill. I had no desire to have two close in age, yeah. um, but I knew I wanted another. So, yeah, um, yeah and once again, I didn't have an expectation that it was going to happen quickly, mm-hmm. um, but I also wasn't expecting to struggle like we did okay. um, because we fell pregnant so easy the first time and there was nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wasn't expecting to encounter any issues when we eventually did fall pregnant. Okay, so how was that starting to look? A few months went by nothing happened. I was in the mindset, like I, I know I didn't have depression, but I struggled with like some aspects of motherhood as Mm. I'm sure all new mums do. Um, some days my patience was very thin. I just, I'm a very emotional person Yeah, as it is. (laughs) It's kind of excelled since I've become a mum. Um, and so when it wasn't happening, I I never had any desire to do IVF or go down that route. I said to myself, all right, you know, if it does, if this isn't in our cards, if it doesn't happen, then I'm okay. I've got a beautiful daughter. She'll just be a single child. Yeah. It wasn't originally what I planned, but I guess that need for another wasn't strong enough to spend the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and time and heartache Mm. in IVF. Yeah. Um, So I think it was the start of 2019 and I saw an advertisement for a boot camp on Facebook that was starting up in the suburb just down from me and I was like, all right, I'm going to join boot camp, get healthy, um, maybe lose a bit of weight, see if that helps to fall pregnant. This will be kind of like a last-ditch effort to try and make something happen. Uh, Three months in, I think, I'd been going for three months and finally got a positive pregnancy test. Okay, great. Um, And your daughter was, what, three or four by this stage? She had just turned three. Yeah. I think, yeah, just turned three. So in those three years, were you consciously trying or was it more of a mindset of if it happens, it happens? 
I think to start with, like when I first went off the pill again, to start with it was if it happens, it happens. And I think because it happened so easily the first time round, like I didn't really track cycles mm. um, or any of that. It was just whenever we felt the need, we felt the need kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, if it happened, it happened. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until that first pregnant, like the second time around, the first pregnancy, that I realised how much I did want a second. I can remember it clearly. I got a positive pregnancy test on a Wednesday morning. I was so excited. I told one of my friends at work because I worked that day. Um, I told her before I even told my husband because I was just <laughs> so excited. Next day, went and got my bloods done and, and everything was going fine. Like my levels were, I was only super early. I think it was like yeah. five weeks. So did you know when you'd missed a period and that's why you did the test? Um, I think so. Either that or my boobs were really sore. <laughs> okay. That was like the first time for every single pregnancy except my last, which was the successful pregnancy. Yeah. Um, my first, I guess, instinct was my boobs really sore. Yeah. Okay. I'm pregnant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was on a Wednesday that we found well, I took the test. Saturday lunchtime, went to the toilet, had a bit of spotting, tried really hard not to freak out. Yeah. Because I know that it can be normal. Yeah. Hundred percent normal. Than done, though. Yeah. But as the afternoon went on, it just got stronger and stronger, like bright red, fresh yeah. blood. Ended up going to the hospital because it was a Saturday night and there's nothing open. Yeah. They did my bloods. They were back to, I think it was like my HCG was at two, uh-huh. um, which is essentially not pregnant. Yeah. Um, and there was absolutely nothing no. in the scan. So that was the first, I guess, my first insight to losing a baby. Um, and it was hard. Yeah. And I would tell myself, I'm 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 lucky it was so early, you know, and there would be times and I would feel like I shouldn't be feeling as sad as I felt because it was so early. Like I didn't have that time to I guess, grow with it. And I already have another child. Like, so I I guess I not moved on, but, you know, I kind of went back to normal life pretty much straight away. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, like, went to the doctor and obviously it's sad, but, you know, I got told most women go on after a miscarriage, they go on to have a successful pregnancy. Yeah. Um, they're one-offs. Yeah, I think it's like the first three months after a miscarriage, you're like the most fertile. So, yeah. you know, it was really a let's really try. I think I had like one cycle and then I was like, all right, let's get back into it. I felt that, I guess, immense need for another baby. Yeah, I can completely relate. A few months later, when was that? That was June. It must have only been like a couple of months August maybe early September got another positive pregnancy test and this time I had been tracking I guess my ovulation um with a product called maybe baby and it you use your saliva oh okay 
you look in the little microscope and it'll change pattern, I guess, when you're ovulating. Yeah. I've um, not heard of that one. A I'm friend have to look it up. <laughs> a friend used it um to track her cycles to fall pregnant because she yeah. was struggling. Um and I didn't particularly want to pay, you know, whatever it is for the ovulation testers that you just throw in the bin and this Yeah, they're so expensive, hey. It's ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) This was like 30 bucks and you use it over and over again. Yeah. And so I I felt like I had a rough idea of when I ovulated, except for the fact that I obviously I don't know exactly how reliable it is Mm. and whether, you know, the picture that I was looking at actually did match the picture that is supposed to be what it looks like when you're ovulating. Yeah. Um. So when we went and had our scan, I think it was two to three weeks after we got the positive, um, when we went and had the scan and there was nothing there but an empty sack, oh, okay. they just told me that my dates were out. Yes. I think um, that's a common response to a situation like that. Yes. Yeah. Um. And I... I Everything else, like I think we started tracking my HCG. So um, I'd get a blood test every two to three days to see how much it had doubled. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't doubling or like it should, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't horrendous. Yeah. So the doctor wasn't completely negative. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so we, we had the scan. Empty sack, your dates are wrong, yeah. come back in two weeks yeah. and we'll see what's happening. So, of course, it's the most anxious two weeks yeah. ever. How Go are you back. feeling? Were there any, were you having pregnancy symptoms? Um, To be honest, I don't really remember. Yeah. I think like my boobs were still sore, but yeah. I'm, I would get, na- like I get nauseous during pregnancy, but I've never being one to be physically sick. Yeah. Um, exhaustion. Yeah. But I mean also with a with another that's child, relatively yeah. <laughs> normal, normal as well. So there was not there was nothing major, but it wasn't like everything disappeared. So it was yeah, yeah. completely abnormal. Yeah. But yeah. Went back, which if we went by the dates that I had, I would have been nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Um and there was a little yolk sack inside the okay. So, you must so have there been was super early for that first scan. Yeah, well, there was some development, mm-hmm. but it's still it wasn't quite two weeks worth. Right. So I was still very hesitant, yeah. but they were posit- like they were so positive about it because there had been changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it had developed to an extent. So they yeah. they were positive. So I tried to put myself in that positive mindset that, you know, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. My dates really were just out, like the maybe baby thing didn't work at all. But once again, because there was no heartbeat and it was so early, um, come back in two weeks. So I tried yeah. to stay positive. The doctor seemed positive. So in two weeks' time when we went back, which would have been 11 weeks from, by my dates, mm-hmm. Um, we even took our daughter yeah. because we had told her she was excited. Yeah. We were trying to stay positive. And as soon as they put the Doppler on my tummy, um, I could tell, like, yeah. 
the yolk had gone. Oh. It was just an empty sack. Yeah. Um, and they tried to tell me again that my dates were wrong. And I just, I, I lost it. I was yeah. like, look, it's, I'm by my dates, I'm 11 weeks. Mm. This isn't a viable pregnancy. Like yeah. I know that Yeah, you guys need to just stop trying to give me hope because yeah. there's none. So that was my first experience of a missed miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I'd even remember saying to one of the girls at work, I said, if it's not viable, I just want to start bleeding. Like I don't, the dragging on for close to two months yeah. was just so hard. Yeah. So Such hard. a drawn-out process, hey, when it's like it's, your dates are wrong. Let's get a scan in two weeks. Let's take more bloods. Oh, let's wait yeah. some more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when they finally realised that, it, you know, it wasn't my dates were wrong, went and saw my doctor and then got a referral to the hospital and yeah. the early pregnancy. Yeah, I don't know the full name, but I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but they they give you the options like when you've had a missed miscarriage, you can wait for it to happen naturally. Yeah. Uh you can take the pill that makes yeah. it happen. Um yeah. and then bleed out or you can have a DNC. And at that point, I just wanted it over with. I just wanted to be able to start to move on. Um, I felt like, you know, if it wasn't hadn't happened in these past six weeks that I was going to miscarriage naturally, mm. I can't wait another six weeks for it to happen. So yeah. um, I think the next day I was scheduled in for a DNC. Did you have to go to the hospital for that or were you going to the, the day hospital? I was at the hospital. My BMI was too high to go to the day surgery Um, and they put me as an emergency well like on the emergency list so I just had to go there in the morning and wait until they had a time and I remember I think the first person that got wheeled in across from me was a lady who was going to have a c-section um I think there was another pregnant person that came through, like another person lady for a C-section, and then um, another lady who I know from boot camp was there with her son, but she was also pregnant. Yeah. And it just by that point, like the waiting, the unknown of when it was going to go happen and seeing all these people, it was just so draining, so hard. Um, and your husband wouldn't have been able to wait with you, would he? Or he was. Oh, good. Um, this was, I think, by this time it was November 2019. So yeah, he was oh. able to sit with me while they waited, and I think it wasn't until like two o'clock in the afternoon, and we had been there since about seven or eight o'clock. And you're having to um, fast all that time. And- yeah, I think at like 12 o'clock they realised I wasn't going down so I was allowed to have some little drink. Yeah. Um, But otherwise that was it. Not that I was really in a mood for eating. No. But so, yeah, so that was, I guess, my first DNC experience. Did you come out of that okay? Yeah, reasonably. Like it, it wasn't a, 
I didn't have any like complications from the surgery and it was a an easy recovery yeah I guess it was just the a surgery I wish I never had to have I think I broke down when they went to put me under yeah I'm just from everything building up yeah I broke down uh when I was waking up out of the anesthetic because it's like you go in there with like your baby in your belly and then all of a sudden like you just you go out and you're empty yeah Mm. yeah it's hard it's so hard so yeah and then I think we left it a couple of months um before we started trying again we went on holidays in February 2020 yeah it was like just before COVID hit in Australia and then I think the sometime in March I think it was or might have been end of February early March we got a our third positive test yeah and by this point like it it was nice to get a positive but I was at the point where positives brought me nothing but pain mm-hmm. like um I think I had said to someone I would prefer to still be struggling to fall pregnant than going through this and I know that's horrible because I know there's people out there that would do anything for that positive even yeah. if just for you know a day yeah um but the hope that it brings and the pain when it doesn't work out was yeah. just starting to become unbearable. Was there any consideration for further investigations at this point? My GP just told me that after the third, you get referred to the recurrent miscarriage clinic. Yeah, right. Um, okay. And me, I guess, not really knowing much better, you know, just Take it for the word. And it's take value, yeah. It is, yeah. It is the most ridiculous thing that it takes someone going through this three times to even get a look in in the public system. Like I'm grateful for the like health system that we have that we're able to get help if we need it without it costing us a fortune. But if it's not emergent, like it's impossible to to get anywhere. So, yeah, so I just kept tracking along as I did. I think when I got this pregnancy, when I got this positive, I think I scaled back boot camp a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the, they tell you not to get your heart rate up too high. Um, so I think at this point I started to slow down on that aspect. I was more wary of what I was eating. Mm-hmm. Um trying to do everything right but like I didn't change my prenatals what were you none of that um blackmores just the blackmores pregnancy yeah and breastfeeding one um which is what I took with my first daughter yeah yeah I didn't have any no issues yeah yeah so it was cheaper than elevate um but it seemed to do the job so I was like I'll just keep going with that yeah so, yeah, so we got our positive, made it the two, three-week wait, and because I was tracking my cycles, by this point, like, I found out, I would always find out so early mm. that I was pregnant. So I had the wait, the dating scan, put the Doppler on, and once again there is an empty sack. Mm. And I, they same story, you know, they tell yeah. you, your dates are wrong, and I, I just knew deep down that, 
it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. Um, but okay, we'll make an appointment for two weeks. We'll come back. Um, but then the next day, I think my husband had just left for work. Um, I went to the toilet and I had started bleeding. Um, Was that almost, this is like probably not even the right way to say it, but a relief that it's kind of happening on its own rather than being dragged out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it definitely was like it. my second miscarriage, how it missed miscarriage and it just took so long for them, you know, to finally say this isn't a viable pregnancy. It was just unbearable. Like I couldn't imagine going through another 11 weeks thinking you're pregnant, not knowing. Like it was just, I guess, a a cursed blessing Mm. that it's like it happened naturally. And, yeah, so once again got referred to the early pregnancy loss clinic at the hospital and because I had started miscarrying naturally, they, I think they contacted me um, a few days after to question, um, do I think I've expelled everything? I think like when I had the DNC, like the, it's the products of conception. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even talk about it. Like it's your baby. No, it's they just, don't. Yeah. It's very clinical. Which, and Yeah. And I you know, I get the hospital's a clinical place, but that's not yeah, how you talk about no. it to a, a grieving parent. No. So um, just a little bit of compassion would be nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they contacted me after or a few days to see how I was going and scheduled a ultrasound to make sure that um, there was no product left behind. Yeah. Um, and I distinctly remember the ultrasound because it was on my birthday, oh. which made I, I guess it like it made it harder to have to go through that. The ultrasound tech was a man, which mm. I don't really have an issue with, but it they're generally a lot less compassionate than yes. women. And for it to be on my birthday, like it was just yeah, it wasn't the birthday present that I wanted and because it was the middle of COVID my husband wasn't allowed in yeah, so, um, so it was all by myself yeah it just makes it harder so then because it was my third miscarriage GP sent off a referral to the recurrent miscarriage clinic but being the height of COVID don't even know what happened to it got lost in the system oh, obviously really? did not hear a word from them which was hard, but yeah. just, you know, kept going on with life. Did you follow it up with your doctor at all or were you just like, oh, if it's not happening, it's not happening? I think I was just like, if it's not happening, it's not happening. But oh, yeah. I was, I think I was expecting it to take a few months anyway to get yeah, okay. a response. Yeah. Um, but even to this day, I still haven't heard anything oh, from that's that. so bad. Referral. So whether... Yeah. You know, my GP didn't actually send it, which I don't think so because she's a Mm. relatively good GP. But, yeah, it just got lost in the system. But then it must have been mid-2020, June, July, I fell pregnant again. So probably another reason why I didn't follow up on the referral, I fell pregnant. This time I completely stopped exercising and I had everyone telling me you know what's healthy you can do it I don't care it hasn't worked for me for the past three 
and I just thought, what what am I doing differently this time that, you know, I did with my daughter or, yeah. um, and I, I never exercised with my first. So yeah. I was like, cut that out. Um, I'll change prenatal, see if that mm-hmm. doesn't anything. So I started on Elevate instead of the Blackmores. And I was so, so strict with what I ate. Like there was no bag salads, nothing from the delis, no cold meats. Like I was just so anal about it all. Went to our dating scan at seven weeks and there was a tiny little bean with a heartbeat. And (gasps) it was just like, it was the best feeling. Yeah. I still, I was still nervous. Yeah, of course. But it was the furthest we've gotten in the past four pregnancies. Yeah. Um. So I was like, something's worked. Like, whether it's Elevate or whatever. Yeah. Um. Something's worked. So yeah. still cautious. Um. I think I booked in for another scan in two weeks, just you know, to yeah. ease my mind to make sure everything was going okay. Two weeks come. We go to the scan and as soon as she put it on and started taking the measurements, I just knew I there was no little flicker. Nice. Um, the I, I knew hadn't grown enough for two weeks. Like, and, of course, they've got to get their senior person to come in. And But I just, I knew. I oh, knew it didn't. So sorry. I thought this was your your second daughter, and I was like, "Yes, no, we're finally." It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um. So yeah. So, how were you coping at this point? Like, how was your mental health by this point? It was horrendous. Yeah. Um. I am eternally grateful that I had my daughter. Yeah. Um. If my husband was my rock. Yeah. Um, but I don't even want to think about where I would have been if I didn't have my mm. daughter to get me up in the morning. Yeah. Um, it just, I'm, I've never suffered from depression or any of that. Um, I'm generally a happy person, but it just, it broke me. I think by this stage, after this one, I think I had three, close to three weeks off work. Yeah. I think each pregnancy I noticed like I had more time off after it ended. Um, Was your work supportive of that? Yeah, yeah, very, very supportive. My boss for the first three knew how badly I wanted um a baby yeah. um and yeah he just whatever whatever you need yeah that's amazing give it to me. um yeah. and even I think we just had a I work at a supermarket so we get new bosses quite often but even the boss for my boss for the fourth he was like go I think three days after I got a big bunch of flowers delivered oh that's sweet like really lovely but yeah so number four was another missed miscarriage. I think mm. 
I sh- I think I should have been nine, nine and a half weeks, and baby had stopped growing at about eight and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that a hundred percent that one was the hardest. Yeah, because we had had yeah. that hope of you know having a heartbeat, and the heartbeat it wasn't like it was on the low side, and baby was measuring. I don't know maybe one or two days off, but that's completely normal. Yeah. Um, so there was no red flags to think that something should have been wrong. So I had another DNC um, after that one because once again I just wanted it gone. Yeah. Um, luckily that one I had a scheduled time. So although <laughs> it was horrible, like my husband wasn't allowed in the hospital with me because. Yeah being in the middle of COVID, but at least, you know, I wasn't there for seven hours waiting when I was going to go in. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was definitely the hardest. Oh, okay. Definitely took me the longest to, I guess, go back to not functioning normally. Um, I would still go to work and bawl my eyes out when I would see a pregnant person walk past, which... When these things happen, you see them all the time. You do, yes. Were you telling your daughter that you were pregnant or were you kind of more hesitant at that point to just? I think we told her with the second, our second miscarriage, and I think after that because when we took her to the scan and, you know, they we decided that it was a unviable pregnancy, I bawled my eyes out and so did she. Yeah. Um, so we didn't tell her, I don't think the next two we told her anything at all. Yeah. Um, when my husband dropped me off at the hospital for the DNC for the fourth, um, I think we just told her that mummy just had to have a little bit of surgery but she's okay kind of thing because it was just she was slightly too young to understand yeah. Um, it was just too hard to watch her break down while I was breaking down kind of yeah. thing. So by then went back to the GP and she put in another referral for the recurrent miscarriage clinic. But I we looked into going to see a fertility specialist. One of the nurses that I um dealt with at the hospital with my DNC, I uh, recommended we go see Dr. Keong on the Gold Coast. And so I was like, all right, let's, while we're waiting for the public system, because um, we don't have private health insurance or any of that, mm. um, while we're waiting for the public system, let's look into going to see him just to see what he has to say. I still don't know. I think I was on the fence about IVF, but it definitely wasn't a write-off at that point. Like I really wanted a second, but I still wasn't 100% sure if I could go through IVF and come out the other side if it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, Because IVF, it's not a guarantee that you're going to walk out with a baby. So, yeah, so we made an appointment to go see him. I think that was, I think we got in to see him about October and in that time we did hear from the hospital And they, I think we had an appointment with the hospital just after we saw Dr. Ong. And when you make, like, made an appointment with Dr. Ong and he, there's a multitude of tests, like blood tests that he 
gets you to do. Um, I think I had like 12 vials of blood taken. Because you wouldn't have had any hormone testing or anything up until this point? No, nothing. So things like testing my AMH, you know, thyroid tests, alpha D, yeah, the alpha DQ, DQ alpha, yeah, um, MTHFR, yeah, like just the every works. test you can think of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was insane. <laughs> um, and so we went to see Dr. Ong, had all those tests done, he recommended getting hubby's sperm tested and he recommended a um, exploratory surgery for me so uh hysteroscopy um just to clear out anything in the uterus a tube flush uh look for any endometriosis and get a sample for natural killer natural killer cells right yeah and so we, you know, went to see him. He gave us all that information, took that away, uh, went to go see the hospital, just the mm-hmm. public hospital, and their list of blood tests that they wanted me to have was probably half of what he got us to do. Hubby didn't have any, and they would have done a hysteroscopy, and that's it. So I, I think at that point I we were still talking about going with Dr. Ong. Obviously had to discuss finances because it wasn't cheap. No. Public hospital, you know, cheap, free, but also nowhere near as extensive. Yeah. Um I think when we when we went to see the public hospital, I remember walked in um and he had a look at our file. And he's like, oh, said something about, oh, there's, it's odd. There's, you know, nothing unusual about your last pregnancy. It was a perfectly healthy female fetus. And oh, he just, so they tested the embryo? Yeah. Did you know they it were was, doing that? No, no. He, I think he might, he might have asked if we got the results or whatever about our last DNC, but it was just such an offhanded comment like on the fly there was no compassion to it there was no did you know you know that it was a female like I burst into tears because it was it was the first time that we had um I guess found out any of the genders um and I had another lady at work she had went through a few miscarriages um, and the doctors had told her that she's unable to have boys because she's got four girls. And I don't know whether that's even, that that was even tested or yeah. what. And so that, that went through my head, you know, maybe I can't have boys and each one of these has been a boy. But, but it was a girl. Yeah, finding yeah. out it was a girl. So I already wasn't terribly impressed with yeah. the public system um, they asked what, you know, Dr. Ong was recommending. Um, and he's like, oh, there's no need to look for endometriosis. You know, you've not, you've got no symptoms. We wouldn't do that. Very much a, um, they don't believe in, or they don't really, like MTHFR. I don't know if you know much about it. Yeah, I actually tested positive for both genes. Um, 
and like my fertility specialist kind of brushed it off but my acupuncturist was more like there's there isn't a lot of conclusive evidence around it but if you want to err on the side of caution like do change your prenatal and yes like because it's not going to hurt either way yeah a hundred percent yeah um and from from what I gather is mainstream doctors don't really I guess believe in it yes um they think it's a whole heap of rubbish yeah my fertility Um, specialist was pretty much like it's a way for them to make money off you um and it's all kind of garbage and I was like okay and I looked into a lot of research myself and I was kind of like well it could be something and it could be nothing um I do believe further testing needs to be done just to see if the genes activated Um, I can't remember there was a specific thing to test um and it's just a blood test that you can do and if that your homocysteine levels, that's what it was. And if those okay. levels are elevated, then you're more likely to have the activated genes. So, but no one ever goes into that. So I guess, yeah, on the side of caution, change your prenatal so you're taking yeah. folinic acid. And Was it your fertility specialist that tested you for MTHFR? No. Okay. I was uh, going to say that's actually, really odd. It was. I saw two fertility specialists. The first one I only ever had one appointment with because I didn't like her and her yeah. approach. Uh, she did run a whole heap of tests. She's the one that did my AMH and the MTHFR yeah. and there was another one that I can't recall. And instead of contacting me, she would just, I'd just randomly get these emails with these blood test results. Oh. Yeah, it was so strange. So then... I, I do a lot of my own research and then I'd talk yeah. to my fertility acupuncturist because she's she's great, has a heap of knowledge. And yeah. then um, I just would go to my GP and say, hey, I want this and this tested also. Yeah. I mean, he would, he's been pretty good to me and if I ask for a test, then he'll run them. Yeah. So, but, yeah, my okay. fertility specialist that I'm actively seeing, yeah, he didn't really think much of it, didn't think it yeah. was a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, if I had gone with the public system, I don't think I would have my daughter today. Yeah. Right. Um. I don't. I wouldn't have the answers that I have today, which is really sad because not everyone can afford to go see a fertility specialist. Like, it's just yeah. So after seeing them both, we decided to go down the route of seeing like doing the exploratory surgery and at at this point I was in tears some nights because I was terrified to have sex because I didn't want to fall pregnant yeah like I couldn't imagine having another positive pregnancy and not having any answers it was hard it puts the biggest strain on your relationship yeah I mean we we never struggled but it definitely doesn't make things easy. Like no. I can see how it breaks people. Yeah. So, yeah, exploratory surgery, I think that was the start of December in 2020 because he's testing for natural killer cells. It had to be timed at a certain point in my cycle where they would be the highest. Right, okay. And it just a day surgery and he goes in and before I got put under, he goes, if... I don't find any endo. You'll have two poles. 
if I find endo, you'll have three. Okay, so I'll go and, I was and like, do a laparoscopy yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, okay, that's fine. Expecting only two holes um, because I've never had any symptoms of endo. Like my periods are reasonably regular. Never had any extreme pain. I guess the only symptom would be struggling to fall pregnant. So wake up from surgery and I have three keyholes. And when I eventually get a follow-up consult with him, um, he found moderate endo. Right, okay. um, Which was the biggest shock to me. I would not have expected it at all. But looking back, it wasn't until I started exercising consistently that I started to fall pregnant. And exercise can minimise the effects of endometriosis. Oh, okay. So I feel like that's, I guess, what helped me fall, like start to fall pregnant is that I yeah. started exercising. Um, so it's enabled me to fall pregnant, but I still just wasn't able to hold it. Hold the pregnancy, yeah. Also got tested positive or whatever for MTHFR. Yeah. Um, what was his take on that? He it, it wasn't a, a brush off, um, but he said I think the version I had, which I think it was only one of them, right. um, it he's like forty plus percent of the population have it, so it wasn't it wasn't like a definitive you know this is something that's wrong, yeah. but it was a start taking this, right, so okay. um, start taking folinic acid, yeah. It was a it won't hurt to do it kind of thing, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a complete brush off, but it definitely wasn't a, um, you know, this could be the reason why mm. kind of thing. Um, but it gave me something piece of the puzzle, like yeah, it, it it gave me some hope to hold on to. Yeah. Um. Same with the endometriosis. Like he never gave us a definitive answer as to why we were losing them. Yeah. And I guess he, you know, he didn't want us to get our hopes up too much kind of thing, which completely understanding. Yeah. But like the endo, it gave us a little bit of hope and that's all I was asking for was some yeah. hope. It feels um, nice once you finally start getting answers to what could yeah. be the cause. Yeah. Like, it's like okay, I, I've got something to work towards now. That's I think that's the biggest struggle is, you know, when we had the appointment with the public system, he even said, um, chances are you won't ever find out why you miscarrying and I'm like that's it's not helpful I, no it's not helpful <laughs> at all like I get that it might be true but yeah yeah I kind not, of feel not. like after three even after one okay you could maybe get away with making that yeah. comment two or more no. you need to get that shit investigated like yeah. and the fact that you know nothing will happen in the public system until that third one that's something that needs to change. 100%. And even then, I think I got a phone call from the public system in January 2021 telling me that I've been put on the waiting list for a hysteroscopy. Um, and I just said, yep, not really wanting to talk about it, not whatever. But, um, yeah, it just it just takes so long to get anywhere and it's... Mm-hmm. I get that there's a strain on the system, but even the the mental the mental toll it takes on women 
going through this, there needs to be more support for that as well. Like it's just severely lacking, I guess. So, yeah, so early December had the surgery. I think I had my period. It wouldn't have been mid-December. It would have been only a few days after the surgery. Yeah. Um. So then Christmas time came and I knew it was stupid. I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I was like, maybe I'll get an early positive and, you know, I'll be able to surprise my husband for Christmas. The days leading up to Christmas and I knew it was too soon, but I still did it. Test after test after test, all bright, stark, negative. Like my boobs weren't sore. It was heartbreaking, but I knew it was highly unlikely. I think I might have tested like once a few days after Christmas, just with hope, but nothing burst into tears. And my husband was very realistic, you know. He's like, you know, you've just had surgery, give it some time. It's not the end. And then New Year's Eve came and we were going across to our neighbours for some drinks that night and I was like, I've got one test. I'm not pregnant. I know I'm not pregnant. My boobs aren't sore. I don't feel pregnant at all. I think my period was due in like three days, maybe two days, I don't know. But I'll just, I'll take this one last test just so that I can drink in comfort, like, like, that I'm no, I know I'm not pregnant yeah. and I can happily drink. Just enjoy your New Year's and yeah, like, yeah. You can know either way at this point and um positive. Ah oh. I stared at and I'm pretty sure it was a digital test. And I yeah, stared okay. at that test for ages. Yeah. I'd come home from work, hadn't picked up my daughter from daycare yet, and I just stared at this test. And I was in disbelief so much that I went out and I think I bought another pack of three <laughs> um, and took like came home and took another test. Just yeah. I I did not believe it. I don't even know if I was excited. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like, were you feeling confident because you'd like? I, there was probably was there a, like- bit, a bit of excitement because, you know, I had a little bit of hope that things had changed. Yeah. But it was still so terrifying. Yes. So, so terrifying. Changed my prenatal to something with folinic acid in it. Yeah. I think as soon as the fertility specialist's um, office opened back up the next week, because obviously it was the week of nothing in yes. between Christmas and New Year's at that point straight away to make an appointment to he put me on progesterone yeah I was gonna um, ask if he if he was going to do that yeah I I I don't think I ever had an issue with it but he's like it's not gonna hurt yeah again it's just one of those things that better to be safe than sorry kind um, of thing yeah yeah so he put me on progesterone um and we made an appointment, I think, in a couple of weeks to go in and have a scan. Was that in his office or was that still at an external? No, it was at his office. I did also make an appointment at an external ultrasound place just, I think it was like maybe one or two weeks after I had the initial scan with him. Yeah. Just to ease my mind. Yeah. Um, I had multiple, multiple scans throughout this pregnancy. So, yeah, so 
we made the appointment for the middle of the day, I think it was. I'd organised someone to look after our daughter because it was a day that she wasn't at daycare and no, must have been, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm just thinking she started school in 2021 so she wouldn't have been at daycare. But I think it might have been just before school started. Yeah, okay. Made an appointment and I was like, all right, we'll go have this scan and the day before get a phone call from their office. He's not going to be able to make it at whatever time can you do 7 a.m so first the thing following day i think i yeah it was the same day that our scan was oh, right, just okay, right. the i was gonna say like you don't want to wait an extra day would you no 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 it was just they just moved the time yeah um okay. which was fine except then our plans for someone to look after our mm. daughter grew. Yeah. so we ended up taking her, which was terrifying due to past experiences. Yeah. Um, but we decided she's almost a year and a half older. And by this point, if it does go negatively, I'm going to be absolutely broken. Like yeah, um, she's going to know that something's really not right anyway. We'll just take her. Um, and, yeah, it was the world's quickest scan. Like he literally puts it on, finds it, tiniest little measurement, and that's it. Like it wouldn't have even been two minutes. Right. Um, but there was a tiny little flicker of a heartbeat. Oh, good. Um, Although at that point, like it's reassuring, but it's kind of like. Ugh. Yeah, it, it was great. Yeah. Like really exciting that we got a heartbeat and it wasn't just another empty sack. Yeah. But also terrifying and still not confident. So I think we had another scan with him in about three weeks because I I think that was at that stage that was about six weeks and then we had another one booked in with him at nine weeks and I went to an external one about eight weeks just to see how it was going. Um, Everything was fine. Each scan, baby was growing, Um, flicker of a heartbeat all the time. And then we got to 10 weeks, did the NIPT, made sure I went to an ultrasound place that offered the NIPT that also had a scan so I could see our little little baby. Um, everything's fine, always measuring fine. I was always a wreck. Yes. Squeezing my husband's hand. Yeah. 95% of the time I wouldn't be able to look at the screen until he would tell me that there was a heartbeat. No. Like I just could not look nipt results came back and everything was low risk everything was looking good and we found out we were having a baby girl which was amazing yeah um i think that was like we were i think we would have been 12 weeks by then we went and had the 12 week scan and i think it was that afternoon we took our NIPT results and got one of the um, smoke popper things uh, and yes. had like a, yep. a little mini gender reveal photo shoot just yep. with our family, nice. um, which was lovely. Yeah. And hit 12 weeks and relaxed a little bit. You know, we had made it to that milestone. I could breathe a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very good feeling. 
Yeah. But my anxiety would still get to me. And I'm not an anxious person generally, but throughout that nine months, I was and just a giant ball of anxiousness. Yeah. I think that's um, completely understandable with everything that you've been through. It doesn't matter how early you lose a baby. No. It's uh, it just stays with you. Yeah. It and at at first I used to tell myself, you know, at least at least it happened early, you know, or I don't I don't deserve to feel sad because it was only five weeks or it was only seven weeks or I've already got a daughter, but it doesn't make the loss of a baby any less. Like it it doesn't make your feelings any less valid because you've already got a child. Yeah. Um it's still you've lost you've lost a baby. Like it's yeah. and it's not even oh. I've been down that train of thought myself where, oh, I was only this amount of weeks and I shouldn't feel this sad because of that. But as soon as you get that positive pregnancy test, like you're already envisioning how your life is changing. I don't know about you, but I would always look up like straight away, what's the due date? Okay. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, is it summer or winter, baby? Okay. (laughs) Like you yeah. start planning your life around this. Yeah. It doesn't matter how early no. you test and yeah. how early you lose. That's what you're grieving, like yeah. a life that isn't going to eventuate. And I, I think one of the hardest parts of my entire journey was, you know, struggling with secondary infertility. Sometimes it's hard to find your space. Like you've got these people that, don't have a child yeah um and or you know and especially like I'm I when I started conceiving I don't have an issue conceiving it's just yeah holding the pregnancy so you know I wasn't going through IVF and all that so it's a lot of the time I was like where do where do I fit I don't I don't, I don't deserve to be here because I'm not going through the IVF or yeah. um, I don't deserve to be here because I've already got a child. Like mm. it's, And it's such an isolating journey, especially if you don't know anyone. And, yeah, yeah it's just I, I personally didn't know any, there was no one close or that I spoke to that had gone through anything that I was aware of yeah. when all this happened. Yeah. Um, were you open about talking what you'd been through or were you kind yeah. of holding it? Yeah. Yeah, very. Because probably the like the first I wasn't as open. Yeah. Um, but after the second, very much so because it's it's so hard. Like, and I just, if I can help one person by talking about it, then that's all I ask. And it's it's nothing. There's nothing to be ashamed of. No. But I don't know why it's not spoken about more. Like it really, really needs to be. Women need to feel more comfortable speaking about it. No one should have to suffer through any of it alone. I completely agree, and that's pretty much the exact reason why I'm starting all this. Right. Like, let's make this a normal conversation that we can have with each other. Yeah. So that you feel less alone. Like I've yeah. got friends. I do know um, people that have gone through loss um, and I've also got friends that 
have no idea and all of pregnant had babies and there's just something different about speaking to people who completely understand what you're going through. Yeah. Like my friends that haven't suffered loss, I know they mean well and they do try and I'm so appreciative of their support and their compassion, but there's definitely a gap. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know they mean like, well, but. Yeah. Yeah. And which is completely fine because it's just one of those things you don't understand unless you've actually experienced it but yeah to bring a community together um, to make you know help people feel less alone and give people hope that you know you can have a baby on the other side like don't give up yeah unless like you're mentally prepared that okay I've made a decision that I I physically and mentally and emotionally cannot go through this anymore yeah like I think that's where I was at with pregnancy number five like I think I said to my husband I said if this doesn't turn out I'm tapping out like I mentally I couldn't do the IVF journey and come out the other side without a baby like it I mentally wouldn't have been able to cope so yeah I think I was just pregnancy number five you know we fell pregnant after the surgery if it doesn't do anything we've got our beautiful five-year-old who will be the centre of our lives. Yeah. So. Were you kind of relieved that going to a fertility specialist didn't straight away equal IVF? A hundred percent. Yeah. I I was expecting, I guess that's what I was expecting when we went to see him was that it would be immediately, Yeah, you know, let's go down this route. But he was very, very open to you know, getting to the root cause of why we kept losing them because he's like, you don't need IVF, you can conceive. You know, IVF is for those that can't conceive. So, it, yeah, it was very good. And after we had the surgery, you know, our options were to try and actually for a while or I think it might have been like a time cycle, like an insemination. Like an IUI? Yeah. Yeah, IUI, that's what it is. And, yeah, like we, because we hadn't been having trouble conceiving, I was like, let's try and actually for a bit and see where we go from there kind of thing. Um, Yeah, that's really good. And I like hearing that because the first fertility specialist I went to, that's part of the reason why I didn't like her because it felt like straight away without even hearing my history, she wanted to sell us on IVF. Uh, and it's like I don't I don't need IVF. There's something no. else going on here. Yeah. Let's investigate that first. And IVF is gonna be one of my last resorts. Yeah. So yeah, and no, I'm glad that like you went to one of the best specialists on the coast, if not the country. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> he has a very large following. Yeah. Um, a lot of people from all over Australia go to see him. So I was like, I figure if we're gonna spend the money. Spend the first time. <laughs> the, spend the money on the the one that you know multiple people and even my GP when I asked her for a referral she said that if I didn't come to her with a name that's who she would have referred me to anyway. Okay, kind of so yeah, that, that's reassuring as well. Yeah, I guess to finish off, uh, what is one piece of advice that you would give to other women still struggling to have a baby? I guess to just really advocate for yourself. Yeah, so you were saying to advocate for yourself, especially going through the public system. Yeah, so um, like your GPs, most of them aren't 
specialists in pregnancy so they won't know all the ins and outs I guess they just go on what they read in a book so you I find like from speaking to other people and my own journey and I love my GP but just from my experiences you really have to push for yourself do your research and just really you know if you want something push for it don't don't settle for them saying no um I wish I had pushed for investigation earlier maybe then my journey wouldn't have been so long but Mm. it is what it is but yeah definitely just really advocate for yourself and find I guess find something that helps you through your struggles like for me going to boot camp really helped my mental health especially with like the first three pregnancies going through all that being able to go to boot camp and just release some of that tension definitely made a lot easier great advice and I honestly couldn't agree more thank you so much for sharing honestly I felt like (laughs) I was on a bit of a roller coaster with you like I thought oh this has to be the one (laughs) this has to be the one that works yeah no and then my heart broke when you no, like, no I was lost this one too. Oh my goodness, you're so I strong. Know. That was honestly... that one was definitely the hardest. Yeah, you just. I remember when I was a bit younger, before I even had my daughter. One of my brother's friends, she had multiple miscarriages, and I don't. I think they might have been in between kids, like they weren't all kind of group together yeah. um but it was either four or five I think and I remember I said to my mum how does she do it how does she keep going back and having another child I said I, I wouldn't be able to keep going I would just stop at one like one and that would be it yeah and here I am on the other side completely understanding of how you know people tell me I'm strong but what what else do you do like yeah, if it's something you want you have. just you push through and it, it did it it was very very close to completely breaking me like I think yeah. it just I think it would have succeeded if I didn't have my eldest um yeah as much as she breaks me some days <laughs> um but yeah it just you just you find you find the strength it's it's the club that no one wants to be a part of but bloody hell we're all as strong as stone or something I don't know yeah you've reminded me of something I actually wrote down in my phone today and it was our love and hope of having another baby outweighs the fear that's the only reason why we were able to keep trying yeah like that's exactly it 100% thank you so much for I guess starting this like I found a couple of podcasts while I was going through it but I found 90% of them we're all based overseas so it's nice to find something local here in Australia even if I mean it doesn't matter where you're from you're going through the same thing but it's definitely yeah. I guess, to have something a bit closer to home yeah because you never think it's gonna happen to you no you like, don't yeah. I never thought getting that next preg- next positive pregnancy test was gonna turn into the nightmare two years that it it did like it you never think it's going to be you 
No, especially after your first, like you fell pregnant mm-hmm. so easily the first yeah. time and you had a beautiful pregnancy. And yeah. I'm so glad you've made it through the other side and you have your two beautiful girls. Yeah. So you've done it too? Yeah. My last pregnancy was the hardest thing. Hard in a different way, I guess, than the losses. Um, it was the biggest mental game. I, you know, hit 24 weeks and I think I'd already had multiple scans, probably a scan every three weeks just yeah. because I I couldn't quell the nerves inside me. Yeah. Hit 24 weeks and I was like, all right, you know, we've reached viability. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to get better. My anxiety is going to improve. Yeah. Um, it just got worse because, oh, I and I, I think it was because at that point, if I ignored a thought that something was wrong and something was wrong, you know, and they could have been saved, I never would have forgiven myself. So yeah. I think by that stage, I would show up to the MAC unit at the hospital every three weeks or something just yeah. to get a a trace done on yeah so that I would know um that she's okay I ended up going to see a therapist because it was just like I I would be fine I would get checked out and I would be fine for a week and a half maybe and then I would get a thought in my head whether it was I don't think baby felt like moved as much today or whatever it was I would get a thought in my head and it would just grow louder and louder and louder and it yeah. would not quiet until I went back and got checked out and heard the heartbeat. And I had a anterior placenta, so mm-hmm. movements weren't as strong, wasn't a super, super active baby, and nothing was ever wrong. Everything yeah. was always perfectly fine. It was purely my anxiety that would tell yeah. me something was wrong to the point where I, I ended up getting induced I think a week early because I think it was by that point, I think I'm, I made it to the Mac board twice in two weeks yeah. and I was after, like it was after 37 weeks. So they're like, all right, well, we'll induce you. And at that point I didn't, I didn't want to be induced, but I was induced with my daughter cause I went over. Yeah. And at that point the anxiety was just so draining that I was like, you know what, let's just do it. Do they offer you any kind of support if you're showing up that much? So I had someone come speak to me and they were, they did refer me to something. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. And then I never heard anything. I think the next time someone came and spoke to me again and they followed it up and because um, I didn't fit the criteria because I had a, a supportive partner. I don't know something else. Yeah, I didn't get a look in yeah. kind of thing, which is yeah. another. You know, that's he was amazing. I know he would have been sick of my shit um, because there was there was nothing to indicate there was anything wrong. It was all one hundred percent in my head, and I knew that. Yeah, but I still couldn't quiet it. And you started to get outside therapy? Like yeah. Outside of the so my work provides, it's like a EAP, employ- employee yeah, yeah. assistance program. Yeah. yeah. So I just went and saw someone um, a couple of times through there and he gave me some good tips to 
get through, I guess, a little bit longer without needing to um, get checked, like owning the thoughts because obviously there's a reason there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been through something traumatic. So, yeah. you know, there's a reason that you're having these thoughts. And so recognising that, but then also recognising that there's nothing to indicate there is anything wrong kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it definitely helped. I think it helped me get through a little bit longer until I needed to get checked, but it's still, it was just such a, the biggest mental battle. Yeah. Um, And it never, it never got easier. If anything, it just got harder the further along I got, which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting, you know, 24 weeks, feel movement, viability, it'll ease up, but not at all. Mentally, I couldn't do another pregnancy like that. I don't yeah. think I could do another loss. Yeah. Um, and I only ever wanted two anyway, so that's a definitely a good thing. But yeah. I'm definitely glad to be on the other side. Yeah. I'm sure for a journey. while there you would have thought there was just no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. It was never-ending. Each time I was like, surely this has got to be it. Like I can't be so unlucky that, you know, it happens again and then it does. It's, yeah, not not easy at all thank you so much for sharing that's okay thank you for having me thank you so much for listening i hope you've enjoyed this episode of messy in the middle my main goal for creating this podcast is to ensure other women going through the struggles of infertility and baby loss don't feel alone along this very isolating journey i want to be able to reach as many women as possible And in order for me to do this, I would really appreciate if you could subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. Also, if you have any feedback or suggestions of what you'd like to hear, please get in contact with me through the Messy in the Middle Instagram page. Sending you so much love and strength on your journey to baby.